in Israel was proudly brought to you by Jewish Care. You are tuned into are you doing? the Habo radio station everyone loves. JR 87.8 FM. On air 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And online at j-air.com.au. Good afternoon listeners and welcome to The Art Show on JR. My name's Alex McCulloch and we've got a fantastic show for you. Later in the show will be uh, artist Tom Vincent to discuss his show at NKN Gallery. But joining me now live in the studio is Jody Newcomb and Kim DeCretza. Welcome Jody and Kim. Hi Alex. Hi Alex. Appreciate you coming in today, especially um, you Jody came in all the way from Castlemaine. Oh yes, awfully long way. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long, long train trip. Now, guys, you've been working on a really exciting project um, for RMIT University, a public art project through Wonderment Walk, which involves Professor Andy Ball, who's a lecturer at RMIT, and also James Gertz, who's a very well-known Australian artist. Now, um, before we go into the details of the ex- uh, the exhibition, which is titled Empire of Dirt, uh, Jody, I'd just like to hear a bit about your background and Kim. Um, Jody, what have you been working on? Um, well, I've, I, about five years ago, I started Carbon Arts, which is a creative practice uh, that brings together artists with other disciplines to work on sustainability and public art. Um, and that's been my my sole pro- project, I suppose, for the last five years. Before that, I was actually a bunch of other things, like an economist, an engineer. And so I actually really believe in this multidisciplinary uh, way of doing things and, and the power that art can bring to the conversations like climate change. Fantastic. And um, you've been working on a PhD at QUT. Yes, I've had a little bit of a, a break having my child, but I'm um, about to, to finish it up. And it's about the role of the creative producer and how we bring how public art brings together um, society and and and, pub- and policy around sustainability. So the PhD is it purely by research, also also by project? Given you're working on all these full time projects, yeah, it's really using the 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 fruitful soil that I've I've cultivated through Carbon Arts. Fantastic. And um, Jody, tell us a bit about your background. Uh, Kim, tell us a bit about your background. <laughs> um, well, I'm a creative producer like Jody. Um, probably my most recent project that I've been working on um, is one called the Three O'clock uh, Gallery and Collective, and my work um, focuses around bringing, using, working with artists to bring. Um, Conversations to the public on uh, social justice and environment. So Jody and I overlap with um, the environment side of things, and um, I am interested in broadening that conversation through art in um, public space. And for me, primarily, all of my work um, as a producer is focused in these, um, usually in in what I call semi-public space. So opening up the spaces of our cities that are um, privately owned but publicly accessible, like fo- building foyers and um, central sort of shopping areas and things like that um, and opening those up to the public in their everyday living out of their lives to have those conversations but through art. Do you think Australia has a long way to go in being more open to these type of projects or has it been well funded do you find? Um, I do actually I think that there is a lot more potential for projects like this. I think that that um, with the more privatisation of our spaces, of our public spaces, that there is, um, you know, we, we run the risk of, of closing down a lot of those conversations where, where, where the public are. So there's a huge potential to open up those spaces to cultural conversation um, and create more socially inclusive um, environments. Fantastic. Now, what brought you two together? Well, we both are associates of the Centre for Art, Society and Transformation at RMIT and we ended up sitting together um, at the Design Hub. <laughs> and just, uh, I, th- I think uh, Jeff Hogg, who runs the centre, knew that we would get along. But um, yeah, we, we started uh, lots of conversations and then eventually this project opportunity came about and um, Kim and I have been working almost job sharing on this one for the last year or so. And how's it all come together? It's been a long project. Uh, it's titled Empire of Dirt, as I said earlier, with um, artist James Gertz and Professor Andy Ball. And uh, it, was, it really started with some early conversations with Wonderment Walk Victoria for you, Jody. That's right. Um, Julia Mihai and I had a number of conversations over a couple of years. We were actually introduced by the Australian Centre for um, Art and Technology. And we, um, we got to know each other and eventually um, the right opportunity came about. And that was uh, working with the university and having um, an opportunity through the Urban Animators uh, Living Laboratory Program, which is about animating a construction site, which is the new academic street site at RMIT currently um, nearing completion, but an 
a wonderful opportunity to use public space in a very dynamic way with lots of opportunities to inhabit spaces that otherwise wouldn't be there. And for those who don't know who are listening, uh, could you tell us a bit more about Wonderment Walk Victoria? Wonderment Walk Victoria have um, a vision of creating a public art walk through the city that that brings to life the knowledge and the science prowess of the city. Um, and they um, have worked with universities like RMIT and the University of Melbourne, but also with other institutes to, um, yeah, to, to bring that conversation and knowledge about science to, to the public's realm with, with, um, with art that's sculptural or, um, uh, in this case, uh, temporary and, um, brings lots of opportunities also for students and others to to, to learn and, and to engage. Fantastic. And how did this project come about, Empire of Dirt? Um, well, Where did it begin? Well, I mean, Jodie um, obviously was um, working with One at Walk um, and um, Jodie and I both sit, as we said, at um, Centre of Art, Society and Transformation. So the project, um, we looked at... Uh, three artists actually to become involved in the project um, and artists that had a very strong sort of um, depth to their practices and that really um, had almost a scientific approach in the way that they looked at, at their, their conceptual direction um, for each of their pieces and so we, we worked with three artists for a sort of a short period of time and we, we narrowed down at RMIT a number of centres that, that um, were doing work in the sustainability space um, and then we lined up that um, the opportunity for those artists to then engage with each of those scientists and centres to decide on who they wanted to work with, to then decide on what they wanted to work on with an environmental sustainability focus. Um, and um, James Gertz was the artist that um, was selected through that process and he chose to work with um, Andy Ball, who's a microbiologist um, at the environmental um, the environment the Centre for Environment, Sustainability and Remediation. So that's sort of how it all got going um, almost a year ago now. Right, it was a tendering process, wasn't it, to have the artist selected and then the artist selected the scientists they wanted to work with. That's right. Yeah, I mean, as creative producers, we brokered those relationships in the early phases of the development of their concepts and then yeah. they, they came together to present a, a, the concept, the kernel of an idea and then, and then the winning um, group, which was James and Andy Ball, went forward to, to make it into a, a work of art. And what were those early conversations like between the artist and the scientist? Oh, they were fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I, the sci uh, All of the artists and all of the scientists were really engaged in the process. In fact, the, we were. it was a really interesting project to work on because the scientists were so animated about having an artist in their space because it really does um, change the way that they look at their own process and their own questions and one of the things that came out of this project particularly as it developed um, Andy Professor Andy Ball said you know they they continually ask questions about soil and and, and what pollutants are in it, how they can take that soil back to its natural state and how they can fix up you know polluted areas within this particular you know the focus on soil and um, and James had was looking at not so much what was in it but how that would adapt within that. And so suddenly the scientists were sort of saying, oh, well, maybe we should be looking at, you know, maybe we should ask the questions in a different way. So it really changed the way. He has 25, um, I think it's 25 PhD candidates working within that sort of research area. So it really, it, they were thrilled to have an artist be a part of, of their centre and, and to, to really look at things in different ways and have different conversations. And that, it, it really animated their process. And did James have any background in science or no. understanding of science whatsoever? Oh, and what was yeah, that like? I, yeah. <laughs> James is a, is a fascinating artist. He, he spends a lot of time studying the environments that he inhabits for his work and he spends a lot of time um, in, in forests, in, you know, in waterways, um, completely immersed and very, very um, aware and observant of what's going on around him. He... I've worked with him a number of times in the past and he, he blew me away on, on a project we were working with in, uh, together in Tasmania. He's, he was working with a lab in Launceston that was a physics, um, a physics center and they, and his work was called Vortex and his concept was about taking, um, a sculptural work that would actually bring the water out of the, literally out of the river and, and it would suspend a shape of water out of the river. Um, he came up with this idea of how it would work in his head. And he went into the lab and he explained it, and then they put it into the 
into the model and it worked and they just looked at him like dumbfounded like how did you do that <laughs> well artists can be the greatest problem solvers can't they mm. well i think i think artists and scientists share this really um studied way way of being you know this this cur- deep curiosity that um mm. that is actually about all about observation and and so i think J- james is that kind of artist and so he works really well in these contexts what was the next step after those early conversations and those interactions in the lab what happened then between the artist and scientist well, um, so from those, they, they, what they did was they took the soil sample and went through it and they did like all these incredible analysis of you know, different processes. And then James went away and did a lot of drawing. He found um, he was allocated a site at RMIT because early on there was no site at RMIT. Being in a construction area, it was very fluid and we had to wait for that process and when he got the site he was able to then take all the knowledge that he had in that research and sit in the site and then start to adapt the ideas that he had to the site um, looking at um, the soil within that particular site as well um, as the overall construction site Um, and then he took um, it led him down this sort of pathway to start thinking about how um, organisms adapt to changing um, the changing climate um, and it led him all the way up to the Northern Territory. Um, well, he, he took some 3D um, uh, imagery of the, or 3D scans of the termites, came back down and uh, employed uh, a company that he'd worked with previously to um, to to create these, these moulds of, um, or these models of termite mounds and in fact they had to reinvent the machinery that yeah, they, they, they wow. created yeah. bolts with um, to, to meet. How did his, they reinvent it? Um, Jason from the um, he was at the opening. I discussed this with him in some detail, but he was really explaining to me just how he loves working with with artists like James because they have such a precise view of what they want to do that you know you will do anything to make it happen. So he had to adjust, I suppose, how the machinery sort of. Sort of function together, I suppose, to to make to, it work. to create it, you know the right a height to cut into the into the sculptural piece um, using these three D scans. So in in effect, they created these giant termite mounds that were then mounted to various sites within um, the Rodelaine area at RMIT, which is directly off La Trobe Street. And um, and then on top of that, we had a heritage listed wall that we had to um, deal with. So it meant that James had to keep adapting his processes, and he came up with a brilliant concept of using these magnets, these really um, strong magnets, which then attached the work to the to the structures, and so it looks like it's just sort of morphing out of the out of the landscape or out of the built landscape. Um, Without yeah. touching a single heritage brick. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's a relief for the creative yeah. producers sitting opposite uh, me, no doubt. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging job being a, a producer of public art in any job, in mm. any circumstance. But in a, in a construction site with heritage buildings and, and lots of moving parts, it was, it was difficult. So it was quite an interesting feat of engineering and production, I think. It was, and it was brilliant. And it was brilliant because he'd done so much research through this process. He was able to just keep morphing and it seemed that every challenge that was thrown at him the better the idea got and the better the concept was was and it was and it was really it was quite brilliant the way that he adapted to that and and at this point Andy and him weren't were no longer working you know that together he'd done his process with Andy he'd sort of walked away for a, a couple of months to develop up the work and so when Andy came back into the into the process to see the work and to see it being put in play he was just just blown away with where the work had gone um and you know and for them um one of the greatest successes out of this project is that they're now looking at um you know sort of an artisan residence within the within the labs out there because it's really it really has you know changed their their, i guess in many ways their their questions and and um the way they work on projects that's a wonderful outcome Mm. and apart from the magnets and the heritage listed building what are the um <laughs> what are the troubles did you guys run into to make this happen um well, that you I'll, can speak I'll, about. I'll spin that into a positive. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to mention that um, there are there is another really important element to the installation, which is um, uh, thanks to a partner called Lightscapes, um, which was actually one of the solutions to a problem that we had. Um, Lightscapes already have an existing kind of outdoor gallery there in Rodder Lane, which is a series of light boxes, and so James um, very strategically engaged them early on to make more of that that site available 
school for artistic exploration. And so in addition to the, um, the, the sculptural elements, you have these beautiful backlit drawings and imagery from the lab that have been montaged together and look like abstract art to the, to the untrained observer. But actually when you're standing next to Andy Ball and his team, they say that's what we see in the lab and you can't believe it because it's obviously been been interpreted by an artist but but it actually is true in some sense what now happens to the work because it's only on view until the 24th of june isn't it 20 yeah 26 um it um will be taken down um and then that work um will feed in possibly into a more permanent work um or certainly into more um, into james's practice um in looking at other work um, going forward, he's—I mean, one of the projects—he he was looking at some other um, elements of this project, and he's gone on to work with CSIRO on a number of different things um, within that. So the works really led him down a different um, well, path. But um, yeah, hopefully, um, something more permanent will come out of it at some point. And you were both relieved when it was all up and ready and the exhibition opening had come to its completion? That's right. I mean, not only did we produce this um, uh, w- with James and the team, this um, amazing installation, but there are there's a legacy. There are two really great videos which you can watch online that, that see all the, the stakeholders, including those from RMIT and Wonderment Walk, talking about what the project meant to them. And, and there you'll learn some fascinating information about soil biology as well and also um yeah about what the what the university is doing and what the university gets out of all of this absolutely brilliant well um empire of dirt is open until june 26 and do you have the exact location yeah, it's, it's, on, it's located in um, off road, in Rota Lane, which is off La Trobe Street, right near the corner of La Trobe and Swanson. So it's just one up from that towards Russell. Um, and you slip down that lane and you have to look because it, it's in all different places down that lane. But, the, you know, obviously the light boxes are quite prominent and then you'll start to see it emerge everywhere else. And there is potential to make it more permanent at some time in the future? Well, potentially. He'll definitely use that within his work, I think. So, and... Um, and, um, yeah, if you do want to see more about the project, there's two, as Jodie said, there's two great um, videos on YouTube. Um, so if you just Google RMIT Empire of Dirt, they'll come up and you can have or, a look at that. Or Wonderment Walk will have all that material up for some time to come, That's I true. imagine. Yeah. You can Google, Google yeah. Wonderment Walk. I'll yeah. put all the uh, links on to the podcast that people can listen to. So go to um, alexmccullochart.com.au and all the links to Wonderment Walk and to um, Carbon Carbon Arts will be there. So what's up um, next for you guys, um, Jodie? What do you be, what we be working on now? Apart, well, apart from the PhD, which uh, shouldn't take yes, up too much yes. time. <laughs> time to wind down a bit. Well, Kim and I are continuing our collaboration mm. actually out of this project. <laughs> the runner-up from the competition to the to, to win this commission uh, was a team um, of sound artists, Jordan Lacey and Catherine Clover, and uh, and they teamed up with a research group which is looking at the future of um, green urban spaces and how to actually introduce more biodiversity into our cities. So um, they're going to be rolling out a whole series of um, garden designed gardens in the city and Jordan and Catherine will be bringing in soundscapes and and animating those those growing grasslands with um uh with with various sounds that are both natural and and man-made and we're going to be working with them in all sorts of sensory ways to make it an interactive and also a, a place where people gather data about how you respond be. like yeah. does this actually make you more relaxed and and so there'll be like there's an interaction designer working with us to look at how your, um, you know, sweat or pH of your skin and stuff changes while you're in the space. And for me, and I think Kim as well, it's a really exciting research project because it could change the whole way that developers look at green infrastructure and art and and public experience. And there's um, a requirement for developers to spend a percentage of their of mm. their money on public art, isn't there? That's right. That's right. That's yeah. our sweet spot. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, well, it was a pleasure meeting you both today, and congratulations on this project. Um, I definitely will go into the city and see it before it ends on the 24th of June. And do you guys have personal websites you'd like to give out just for your businesses? Or Yep, carbonarts.org. Yeah, and mine's just at kimdecretza.com or 3 o'clock gallery. All right, fabulous. Yeah. Thank you very much, Kim and Jody. It's a pleasure having you on today. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Fantastic. We'll be back shortly with our next guest, Tom Vincent, to discuss his show at NKN Gallery. Thank you. Tambourine man, play a song for me I'm not sleepy and there's no place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine man, play a song for me 
tambourine man play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I come following you Returned into sand Vanished from my hand Left me blindly here to stand But still not sleeping My weariness amazes me I am branded on my feet I have no one to meet And the ancient empty streets Too dead for dreaming Tambourine man play a song for me I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to Hey Mr. Tambourine man play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I'll come following you Upon your magic swirling ship My senses have been stripped My hands can't feel to grip My toes too numb to step Wait only for my boot heels to be wandering I'm ready to go anywhere I'm ready for to fade Into my own parade Cast your dance and spill my way I promise to go under it Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man Play a song for me I'm not sleepy And there is no place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man Play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I come following you Swinging madly across the sun It's not aimed at anyone It's just escaping on the run And but for the sky There are no fences facing And if you hear vague traces Of skipping reels of rhyme To your tambourine in time It's just a ragged clown behind I wouldn't pay it any mind It's just a shadow you're seeing that he's chasing Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I come following you Smoke rings of my mind Down the foggy ruins of time Far past the frozen leaves The haunted frightened trees Out to the windy beach Far from the twisted reach Of crazy sorrow Yes, to dance beneath the diamond sky With one hand waving free Silhouetted by the sea Circled by the circus sands With all memory and fate Driven deep beneath the waves Let me forget about today Until tomorrow Hey, Mr. Time Marine Man Play a song for me I'm not sleepy And there is no place I'm going to Marine man play a song for me in the jingle jangle morning I come following you
Welcome back to The Art Show on Jay. What a fascinating interview with Jodie Newcomb and Kim DeKretzer about their public art program at RMIT titled Empire of Dirt, which features artist James Gertz in conjunction with Professor Andy Ball. I highly recommend anyone who's interested to go down and check that out in the city. Further info, info will be on my website on the podcast, which will be on my website later today. Now, joining me in the studio today is a, a guest and an artist and a friend who's been in here a few times now. I think this is your third appearance on the show, Tom. That's right, Alex, yep. Good to have you back here. Um, Tom Vincent is a Melbourne-based artist. He's solo show, Hollow Fractographic, yep, I've got that correct. right, is currently on show at NKN Gallery 208 Lennox Street. Tom, you were um, here last year around about October for your so- solo show. You've um, two solo shows in the space of six months. You've been busy. Yeah, the work's been coming out well, so I guess it's just sort of fallen into place nicely for me. Um, the works are very similar, so it's sort of easy to keep working away when I'm in that mode. So, yeah, it's good. It's really great. Terrific. How many works are in this exhibition? Uh, there will be six works in total. So there'll be similar sizes to the previous exhibition, so larger scale paintings plus a few sort of smaller ones as well. Now, the exhibition back in October, and I think it's uh, important to talk about that because that was a departure from your more straight line, very precise, uh, exact paintings we'd seen in the past to a more freer and looser style, and that was titled Living Geometry. And uh, now with this new exhibition, it's moved f- further into this area, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It's loosened up again further. Um, I'm also working more with aerosols and still using the same techniques, but using aerosols and sprays for the finishes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is loosening up a bit more again. It sort of has departed from that really clean, hard-edge stuff. I'm still using the same hard-edge masking techniques, but just getting away from that clean, finished sort of look. How How is that? Is that the underpainting, which is more masked off? Yeah, underpainting, and then some of the line work is still masked off and sort of making reverse hard-edge lines rather than positive hard-edge lines now. So it still, yeah, utilises masking tape and those abstract techniques, so to speak, but... Um, yeah, just a different sort of finish and result. Now, the title Holofractographic, tell us about that. So, yeah, that relates to a physics sort of term. Um, it, it's basically a new model of understanding the universe. Um, it kind of relates to, yeah, it's it's hard to condense into a short blurb, but it's, yeah, a new understanding of the way the world works. But it's sort of on the fringes of science at the moment. Have you always had an interest in science? Yeah, pretty much. Um not hardcore physics and math sort of stuff, but definitely have always been interested in the natural world and learning more about the world around me, absolutely. And there's also this um, drawing upon of um, ancient cultures across the planet and um, what that means to you. Uh, tell us more about that. So, yeah, I think that the ancient cultures sort of looked at a lot more of, uh, I guess, a consciousness sort of science, which really interests me. Um, and then through my sort of work, I've found that they're using geometric shapes a lot to represent these states of consciousness and that there is a sort of an intrinsic link between biology and these geometric shapes that we're sort of just beginning to understand now um, with science and sort of modern techniques but yeah it's sort of a very grey area it's still a lot of unknown kind of stuff in that field. And uh, how do you go about researching those areas. I mean, there's been a wonderful article written by Steve Cox. He, um, an artist, Steve Cox, also wrote a, talks about Neolithic passage grave sites and shamanic cave paintings. So, did you go and research those? Uh, yeah, not in in person yet. Not I'd, in person. No. I'd love to, um, but yeah, just by reading and stuff like that, I've come across how uh, there's a new sort of archaeological archaeological understanding of how these sites were used, um, and it involves this artwork in meditative and trance-like states. Um, and that's aligning with very much what I'm working on and what I've suspected can happen. Um, and, yeah, it just sort of happens through me reading and then through drawing and meditation while I'm working as well. So all these shapes are related to a state of meditation or a form of thinking, really. Um, and that's really how I learn about it. Sure. Do you want to take actual meditation yourself outside of the painting? I do, yeah. So there's you know like daily meditation sort of stuff that i do but then there's also the painting as a meditative practice sort of you know the catharsis of painting and then you know where you get to in your thoughts while you're painting is very important to me uh, i have many artists here who say that painting is a form of meditation for them um, i find i've done some meditation myself i find it very difficult it can be to start with definitely once you you know meditation it's like a sport you practice it you get better at it um once you get i found to a point you can sort of 
you almost find you're meditating always. You're conscious of where you are in your head all the time, and it's not so much I'm meditating in, in this time period for the day. You're sort of always aware of what's going on, and that is meditation. So, and how many years have you been doing that for? Um, seriously, for sort of the last five years, you know, every day kind of stuff, but I've been into it for a long time, um, last 10 years. And did that come about because you, you were stressed and you needed a relief, or it was something you found interesting? It's just something I found interesting. I just started finding these shapes in meditation, and then I was like, oh, this is what I want to paint. This is what I need to be painting. And so it just grew from that. Um, it's almost research for my painting, but what it gives me is so much more than research for my painting. It's sort of a whole way of living kind of thing. Do you feel like you're in a better headspace after undertaking the uh, medication? Uh, medication. <laughs> medication. No, we're not not having that. Uh, meditation to then go and paint? Definitely, yeah. Sometimes, you know, I won't be sure I'll have works I need to make, but I don't know what I need to do to make them. And then, yeah, a bit of meditation will clear that up no end. So tell us about that... Um the the, the, um, the transition uh, between the works I knew of yours from two years ago to what we see today, how did that evolve and was it uh, was there a lot of trial and error involved? There was, yeah. There was a long process, sort of about 12 months or so, where I was experimenting with finishes and techniques and seeing what combinations will give me what results. Um, but it sort of came about because just of a la- uh, wanting to get more information into my works to create more of this um, atmosphere that I'm looking for. It really needed yeah another deeper level of understanding to go into the works and so it just sort of came about sort of as a function really to get more information into these paintings so you you were restricted with the way you're working before yeah yeah i was yeah and so it's just sort of a natural progression for me it sort of happened without forcing it too much and the same principles apply, I'm guessing, when you're constructing these paintings as they did in the past? Yeah, exactly the same. There's obviously a lot more process involved with it. There's a lot more underlayers and overlayers and glazes and sprays that go over the top. Um, so, But in the core of it, it's the exact same process as it's painting with masking tape. Sure. Um, also, I'm really interested to hear about this uh, use of crushed quartz or crystal that you're using on top of the work. Yeah, so the quartz goes into the paints and is glued onto the canvas with the paint. Um, and it is sort of this use of quartz that goes dates back for millennia. Sort of anywhere you find these sorts of artworks and illustrations and this sort of thing, you'll find quartz alongside of it. And uh, I guess the easiest way to describe it, like in our culture, we use quartz for the first radio headsets it's a great receiver of signals and transmitter so it just sort of works along this idea of transmitting ideas and communicating ideas how much mapping out do you have to do of your work uh, before it, it's painted or? it varies to piece to piece um i'll generally know the rough kind of ideas i want to work with and what geometry i want to use but the finish and the results will definitely be unknown and it it might not come about until the end of the painting happens and then it might not be good um, it might get thrown out so it is a very much a process of just sort of f- feeling my way through it and seeing how it looks if it doesn't come out right it doesn't come out right some don't work so yeah it's just about doing in an organic fashion I believe superficially it would seem that your uh, the former series you're working on would have much less room for error but I'm not so sure yeah yeah uh, on the surface, it looks like that, but yeah, it's not like that. It's a, it's a deeper sort of appreciation, I think, for these new works. The, the older works are technically sound or whatever that, so you can understand it in that manner, but these works go sort of into that next level of kind of unknown feeling realm. And once again, I mean, the colours are also taken a different direction as well. Tell us about that and how that's come about. Yeah, so again, with the colours, I try not to think about colours so much. At the moment, I kind of have this idea that there might only be two colours and it's hot and cold, basically, red or blue, and everything else is a variation of that. And so I kind of use that principle with my work at the moment. It's sort of, you know, cool layers on top of hot layers or hot layers on top of cool layers of colour. Um, but yeah, colour to me, I'm still sort of figuring all that out. It just happens. Is <laughs> There was a lot of um, kind of blue and white hues in the went there. Yeah, lots of blues and white and a lot of green as well. Um, but then also sort of deep red tones and sort of fiery oranges as well. Um, yeah, I just I like the contrast. I like the play between those two extremes, and I think that sort of that in between ground between the two extremes is what I'm after, is what I'm looking for, and that's where my image lies. But it's 
yeah, sort of, you know, an unknown sort of area. Has there been mistakes made with paintings that you haven't been able to um, progress with? Definitely, yeah. More so than the, in the past? Uh, no, but it's in the past I'd know more, I'd know earlier if a work wasn't going to work, so I'd abandon it when, before it's finished, whereas now it's like, well, let's roll with it, let's see how it goes and make the final call. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, it's about the same. I can, I always find that, yeah, there's always works that don't make it, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's all part of the process, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, where to from here? You've um, just painted this wonderful exhibition. We'll be opening next week at NKN Gallery. Um, where do you see your work progressing? Um, so, yeah, I'd still there's still more research to be done in this field. I'd love to get overseas and look at these passage grave sites and find these sites and see what I can see from my, with my own eyes. Um, but, yeah, it's just really knuckling down and making more work, I think, at the moment. Yeah, fantastic. Well, um, congratulations uh, again on the show. I'm really look. I've seen some of the works um, uh, on images, but I'm looking forward to seeing the works in the flesh. Hollow Fractographic uh, by Tom Vincent. It's on an NKN Gallery, 208 Lennox Street in Richmond. Go in and see the directors, either Yasmin Wynn or Jeremy Kibble, and I'm sure they'll be able to show you through the exhibition. And, uh, Tom, is there an opening you'd like to tell people about too? Uh, yeah, so the opening is on Wednesday night, the 21st of June. It starts from 6pm to 8pm and alongside Robert Doble, who's showing in the main gallery, so it'll be a, a lovely night. Excellent. Yeah, Robert Doble, who's a great Australian artist, he's uh, got a solo show along uh, at the same time. He it's does. exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. Some good works for that one I've seen. looks beautiful. Terrific. Thanks again, Tom. Great to see you again. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning into the art show today. Our guests were Kim DeCresta and Jody Newcomb to discuss their work on the Empire of Dirt exhibition as creative producers, and the artists were James Gertz and... Also, Professor Andy Ball from RMIT. And more information about that will be on my website. And, of course, to Tom Vincent, who's been a regular on the show now, to discuss his exhibition, Hollow Fractographic, on an NKN gallery opening next week. All the information will be on my website, which is at www.alexmcculloughart.com.au. And more information about my art consultancy business is on that website too. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back next week with a new show. Thank you very much. Goodbye. J-Air 87.8 FM.
שרציתי לספר לך מתרוצץ אצלי בראש מהסוף האחרון בואי נדבר כי זה עדיף הרבה יותר מלפוצץ פה את הכל על עיקרון מהימים האלה שעוברים לאט ואת שוקעת בלבד שלך בינתיים ובלילות אני שולח לו תפילה קטנה גבוה לשמיים עוצם את העיניים תעשה טוב בינינו ואם הכל כתוב אז קח את הריבים, הדמעות והכעס כי אני לא מבין מה זה חשוב תעשה טוב בינינו ואם הכל כתוב אז קח את הריבים, הדמעות והכעס כי אני לא מבין מה זה חשוב עם העוקץ והדבש, בלי מעצורים ובלי רסן. בואי נדבר כי זה עדיף הרבה יותר משוב לשמור את כל הרגשות בבטן. החלומות שלי הם לא יותר מדי גדולים, נצליח לעמוד בהם גם שנינו. תמיד אמרת שאני טוב במילים, אז אם תהי לי מנגינה, ביחד מי יכול עלינו? תעשה טוב. Thank <laughs> you. 
87.8 FM. So, I hear you were at Glass Merchants for lunch on the weekend. How was it? Well, I haven't been there before and it was so good. The food is amazing and the coffee is super too. You should think about having a birthday party there. I hear it's a great event space. A friend had their son's 21st recently. They loved it. Well, I'm going to go there today. What's the address of Glass Merchants? It's 62 Nelson Street, Balaclava, just adjacent to the Coles Car Park off Carlisle Street. Independent business journalist and commentator Leon Gettler speaks his mind on politics, economics and business. Get a dose of reality Friday mornings at 9 with Talking Tuckless here on J-Air. Did you know every night over 200 Jewish people in Victoria are presumed homeless? You can make a difference by donating today to Jewish Care's annual appeal. Your donation will keep our vital community services running. These services receive little or no government funding. Go to jewishcare.org.au forward slash donate or call 1-800-JEWISH. Your support will change lives. Jewish Care for our community every day. <laughs> 